Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of the 9 to 5 podcast. I'm Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. To live in the GTHA is to live with traffic, at least in a normal year. Millions of us commute, and a large proportion of us commute by car. Our cities were designed for cars, and councils are struggling now to reverse engineer cities built around grids and boulevards designed to move cars as fast as possible. Now we want them to work for pedestrians and cyclists and buses, and it's a difficult trick to pull off. For decades, Ontario didn't even have a Minister of Transportation. It had a Minister of Highways. In fact, it had two Ministers for Roads and Cars for a while, or more more accurately, Ministers responsible for the different aspects of moving around by car. It wasn't until 1967 that the Government of Ontario decided that maybe it needed to get involved in this business of transit as well when it launched Government of Ontario Transit, later shortened to GO, as a three-year experiment. The government was surprised to find that a modest commuter train service along the lakeshore was an almost overnight success, attracting a million riders within its first four months. Contrary to expectation, and contrary to arguments that have been repeated endlessly since, people were willing to get out of their cars when given a convenient alternative. And yet the province kept building highways and widening highways and adding capacity to highways. And each time they did, those highways filled up and became congested until more lanes were added, which filled up and became congested. And there were a pattern that was repeated again and again and again across North America and around the world since the 1950s. Over the decade and a half that the previous Liberal government was in power in Ontario, there was a dramatic shift away from large-scale highway building in Ontario as there has been in other jurisdictions around the world. The environmental problems associated with driving had become too obvious to ignore. The fact that no new road ever seemed to satisfy the demand for additional roads became clear to many. The sheer waste of people spending large parts of their lives burning fuel and sitting bored in traffic was also apparent. That Liberal government certainly still considered several major highways, but in each case, Uh, Studies, environmental assessments and public pressure resulted in decisions being made not to go ahead. Meanwhile, massive funding was directed instead towards expanding GO Transit. And then last year, Covid hit and all of a sudden our roads were empty and our railway stations too. Something that had been possible for almost 20 years finally became something people actually did. They worked from home. Businesses started questioning why they were paying for expensive downtown offices and found that maybe they actually could trust staff to get their work done without making them travel for an hour or more to sit in direct view of their superiors. Some businesses even started polling their employees. When this thing is over, do you even want to come back? In the midst of all this upheaval and change, at a time when it's at best unclear what the future demands on Ontario's highways will look like, the PC government of Ontario announced it was going to revive the highway the previous government had cancelled in 2018. Highway 413 is technically still undergoing environmental assessment, but the province has clearly indicated its intentions. $6 billion for a road north of the 407 to bring traffic from north of Vaughan through Peel, across the Greenbelt and down into Halton. A road that does what the 407 was supposed to do, and the 403, and the 401. 
to discuss the details of this plan and its implications for millions of people living in the 905 region, as well as the Green Belt and the hopes for a sustainable future, we're speaking today to Sarah Buchanan, Ontario Climate Programme Manager with the Environmental Defence, one of Canada's leading environmental advocacy groups. Okay, uh, well, welcome, uh, Sarah Buchanan, to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, I wonder if you could start off. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk over the years about different proposals for highways um, uh, around uh, the 905 region, um, and this is the latest iteration of that, I guess. I wonder if you could give us a, a, a breakdown for people who may not be aware of exactly what's being proposed by the uh, provincial government at the moment. Yeah, uh, no problem. So the provincial government has uh, proposed reviving this highway that uh, that has has actually previously been cancelled. So it's it's coming back from the dead. And uh, what's being proposed is um, the GTA West Highway, uh, otherwise known as Highway 413, which would be a big semicircle kind of around the GTA West area. So running from uh, the 400 in York region. Um, kind of cutting a swath through the green belt up there, down around uh, the edge of Brampton, and then down meeting where the 407 and the 401 uh, kind of hit each other. So that is, it's a very large area that it would pave through. And it's through a lot of farmland, conservation areas. Some of it is through people's homes. I've spoken to lots of those folks and they're not too happy about it. Um, and, And essentially, you know, the the goal is to be able to move people more effectively through the GTA West region. It's growing. Uh, all those people, you know, getting in their cars, need places to go is kind of the argument behind it. Um, but what's interesting to note is that uh, when the highway was canceled back in uh, back in 2018, it's, it, you know, it was canceled based on an expert study that said, you know, this highway really isn't the best way to move people around this region. It's not going to be a cost effective use of about $6 billion. And it, that money would be way better spent on transit, uh, on other alternatives to get people where they need to go. Uh, jamming a highway through this region is not going to be very effective. And moving people uh, just in cars is not really what the region needs. Um, I'm, I'm vastly oversimplifying it, but, uh, but that's, you know, one of the big reasons why a lot of people are pretty upset that the province is trying to revive this. It didn't make sense, sense the first time around. It makes even less sense in the middle of a pandemic, uh, when many people are struggling financially to have their public dollars spent on, uh, this, this giant unnecessary highway. And I mean, it really goes against the kind of way, as I, as I understand it, the kind of way that um, uh, the entire planning uh, uh, industry or, or uh, community, if you like, is thinking about how this thing, how transportation should, should work going forward. I mean, we, central to that is this, this idea of sort of induced demand um, that um, way, if you build it, they will come, um, but... Um, you know, they will also come wherever else you put it. Um, so um, maybe you could explain that in much clearer, uh, <laughs> less <laughs> ambiguous terms than I just did, uh, what exactly that means. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, 
Put really simply, the idea of induced demand means that if you build more road space, um, more cars are going to arrive to fill that road space. It doesn't mean that the people who are on the road now are suddenly going to get more room and be able to drive faster and get where they need to go faster. It just doesn't work that way. Study after study shows, highway after mega highway shows that um, building more lanes on highways or building um, more entire highways just means that more people decide to drive. So that decision point of, oh, you know, maybe I should take the go train or, oh, maybe I should get in my car and and drive my, you know, polluting fossil fuel powered vehicle all the way into uh, Toronto or, or everywhere, other places I have to go. That decision point is impacted by how much road space there is. Um, so without getting into too much detail, uh, it just increases the number of cars on the road. And then everybody goes back to where they were before, which is sitting stuck in traffic. And it doesn't really speed up anyone's commute. Um, I don't want to touch on the, the point that you mentioned about how the plan was originally canceled in 2018. And now this current uh, government has, as you've said, uh, brought it back from the dead. Um, maybe you can go in, if you could kind of give into a bit of the rationalization as to why the previous government thought, no, we don't need it. We, this isn't no, a priority for us anymore. And this current government all of a sudden has said, well, it is a vital infrastructure project that we need to uh, uh, pursue. Right. I mean, I wish I could tell you why they're making this decision, but it's, you know, I, I don't, I really don't understand it. Uh, I don't think it's logical, but I can walk you through some of the things that have happened uh, in the past and some of those decisions. Um, I know that uh, the previous wind government had, you know, proposed uh, a transportation corridor in the GTA West after many years of study and, you know, to be honest, quite a lot of public outcry um, and, and controversy around whether or not, you know, we need or want this highway in the GTA West region. Through many years, that government um, appointed uh, a provincial, you know, advisory committee. Basically, um, folks who knew the the subject well, um, who could dig into it, and that expert advisory panel came back after you know doing modeling and studies, um, and said, you know, the way you're doing this environmental assessment is actually it's flawed. It's not getting all the right information in here. You're not really considering alternatives properly. Um, and we've looked at it and done the math and added it up. And this highway is actually going to only save people 30 to 60 seconds on average in a commute across the GTA West region. And we think that that's unacceptable. Um, and, and we recommend not building it. Um, and the government, you know, took that advice and said that they weren't going to, uh, they, at that point, they were going to stop the EA and not build the uh, the highway portion. And so then along came the Doug Ford government. Uh, Premier Ford um, announced that they were going to be uh, starting that environmental assessment process again. And then in the middle of the pandemic, while everyone's backs were turned, um, they announced that they were going to actually speed up that environmental assessment process um, to the point where we feel it's 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 almost not an environmental assessment. It's it's completely inadequate. Um, it would mean building some of the roads and bridges before the environmental impacts are actually known, before that report is complete, um, which is pretty unprecedented. So uh, that's where it, it stands right now. Is we're waiting. <clears throat> excuse me. So, well, just I, to, I was just going. Um, I was just going to comment that. Um, 
I, I believe there's something like fifty. Um, we had some data uh, back back for this. I think it was something like fifty four, uh, basically waterways, you know, creeks or or rivers or or ravines or or whatever have you, were going to be there'd be bridges built over top of them uh, for this highway. Um, which, in my mind, um, if li- for listeners of this podcast, they might re- reflect back to the episode where, where we had. Uh, the president of Halton Conservation on to talk about the the current Ford government's decision to um, change the 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 parameters of conservation authorities in this province. And I, you know, I, I don't want to sound conspiracy like tinfoil hat conspiracy theory here, but I I am finding a, a bit of a correlation there between the fact that um, the fact that conservation authorities who were made it's essentially to preserve watershed and waterways in the province are having the ability to step in and say time out we have concerns that their ability to do that is being curtailed and at the same time we're pushing forward on this um, major project that would have direct impact on ontario's watersheds and and waterways um i i find i i just find that that correlation to be somewhat alarming and that this is all being done kind of in the shadow of COVID. Definitely. And when you consider how many other little, you know, not, not coincidences, but correlations like that exist where, Oh, oh look, you know, this is the uh, governing body who would uh, actually be speaking up against this or the environment commissioner who might call attention to some of these impacts. And suddenly those people and regulations and rules are removed uh, and before these projects are proposed, it, it seems to be happening quite frequently. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it's all connected. Uh, a lot of this, a lot of these proposals that are environmentally damaging. Uh, you mentioned the conservation authorities issue. Um, you know, for example, Toronto Regional Conservation Authority um, has spoken up about this highway. Um, they actually identified 85, at least 85 water crossings that the highway would, would go through. Um, but they don't have any power to stop this. Um, conservation authorities have commenting ability when it comes to highways, but the province can, uh, MTO, specifically transportation, um, uh, folks can, can kind of do what they want without conservation authorities sign off on this. So there's a lot of suggestions and a lot of, hey, you should really think about, you know, water quality impacts and impacts on uh, migratory birds and, and fish habitats, but not a lot of, of listening going on, um, which, which sucks because uh, mm-hmm. they have so much expertise. The impression is, <clears throat> you know, I think to extent all governments are a little bit guilty of this, but I do, well, let's put our cards on the table. I mean, this government is particularly blatant about it. It's, the decision is made long since. This government came in wanting to build some highways because that's kind of what they do. Um, the consultation uh, uh consultations which are meant to happen, the environmental assessments, which are the legislative process that it has to go through, are just a nuisance in the way of a decision that's already been made. Do you think that's a fair um, a fair way to describe it? It seems like that is, is what's going on. Uh, the consultation has been pretty weak 
for uh, for the changes they've proposed for the highway. Um, a lot of the advisory committees that used to you know feed into the, the highway planning process are no longer meeting. Um, so it, it does seem like they're just trying to check all the boxes uh, or check not all the boxes, check only one or two of the boxes as quickly as possible to get through. Uh, uh, actually, uh, maybe you could... Um... Describe how an environmental assessment, because it's one of those phrases that I know gets. Oh no! Around. Don't ask me to describe how an environmental assessment. But it literally, I mean, this is part of the problem, isn't it? That people like me certainly, uh, you hear something like, "Well, an environmental assessment has to happen," and we have no idea what that means. But these are important processes that are there to make sure that the right protections are taken. Um, mm -hmm. Is it possible to, or do you, let's put it another way. Do you find that this environmental assessment is very different from other ones that you have experience of that have happened in uh, other instances? So far, uh, yes. I mean, this, this current government, the Premier Ford government's approach to this environmental assessment is, is very shocking to me because this is a massive project. It's a 400 series mega highway. It's, you know, 50 to 60 kilometers long. And, um, and it's going to have pretty devastating impacts on a whole lot of uh, green spaces, farmlands, uh, conservation areas, stream crossings, forests, uh, you know, endangered species habitat, uh, provincially significant wetlands. So when you consider all that, um, it, it is very surprising to me that this kind of slapdash, let's just try to storm through it as quickly as we, poss as, as, as we possibly can without people noticing attitude is happening because that's, uh, it's going to come back to bite them. Um, when you build highways like this without the proper uh, knowledge of the environmental impact, what do you think is going to happen? Um, if you are going to risk, you know, people's water quality, um, if you're going to risk impacts on, on watersheds that, that, frankly, we don't know about until those assessments are properly done, um, don't you think that those impacts are going to come back to, to haunt you in the end? And so that, that that's what's surprising to me. Um, I will mention that, you know, environmental assessments for big projects are often quite long. And there's a reason for that. Um, it's because if you don't know... Uh, the potentially damaging impacts, then uh, you shouldn't move ahead with the project. And it takes time to figure out what these impacts are. You have to ask a lot of people, you have to get a lot of specialists to come in and, um, and assess. And you have to put all those puzzle pieces together and, and make a good decision that protects the people of, of Ontario and protects our, um, protects our air and our water uh, and our climate as well. So that's really why environmental assessments are there. And if they're not followed properly, then you're putting your people at risk. Um, I wanted to talk a, a bit about um, the, the public outcry for this highway. I mean, it, it is, this is not a project that has a lot of universal uh, appeal to it. There, there's, it's, quite, it's quite a divisive uh, project um, uh, going back for quite some time. And I, 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 as we were talking, this, this thought popped into my head. Um, the question of NIMBY, NIMBYism, you know, um, oh, we got to build it somewhere. And I was thinking of, I mean, this, we've been talking about how this government has been pushing forward. They want to build this highway. They're pushing through, uh, the, the environmental assessment and they're, they're hell bent for leather to get this highway built. And 
something clicked in my head and I thought of when the, if everybody remembers back to when the Ford government first got elected, one of the first things they did was cancel the Green Energy Act with the intention of stopping uh, uh, windmill and solar panel installations in rural parts of the province. And the, to, I'll, I'll, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. They were elected on that promise that there were, there were people in the rural parts of the province that did not want uh, windmills to go up or solar panels to be done. That's a different debate on the efficacy of that. We're not going to get into that, but they got elected and they, they said, that's part of our mandate. So they went in, they canceled the agreement. Um, because of nimbyism. People just did not want them being erected. I find it's interesting that they were eager to cancel that project, which I think we're feeling the effects of today. Um, and yet this project, which is, I think is equal amounts of divisiveness and people saying, we don't want it. And yet for some reason, our voices that are saying, well, I don't really, I don't want billions of dollars spent on a highway that I'm never going to use. And I think isn't really going to benefit me. All of a sudden, we, we don't have time to th to hear those voices. And I just I'm I'm I don't really have a question here. This is more just me trying to make a point. <laughs> that um, I, I we find do that it, sometimes. <clears throat> well, I, I find I find that that contradiction uh, interesting from this government is that the windmills are so bad we got to cancel them, and in some cases tear them down at the cost of millions of dollars in lawsuits and and capital. Uh, on some companies, and yet this highway that nobody really seems to be wanting, other than construction companies and land developers on the green belt, um, yeah, we're, we seem to be right. we seem to be pushing forward to it with it. I, I, it's just it's a I find it's a very interesting contradiction. And I think there's your answer. I think you answered your own question. Who wants I know. this highway? <laughs> <laughs> and and if you think about you know wind power and solar power, who does that benefit? Uh, it, I mean, it, in many ways, it benefits all the people of Ontario. I would argue to have cleaner energy sources that don't pollute our air uh, and and our climate. But uh, it doesn't make uh, a lot of the people who are connected with this government a lot of money. Um, and if you ask the question, who really benefits from building this highway? It's it's really it's mostly uh, the folks who you know own land who could be uh, who own land which could be developed along the route into subdivisions um, and and the people who you know who want to build the the WalMarts and the uh, and the facilities along the highway route um, and not necessarily the people who who live close to it who aren't really going to see much traffic reduction benefits from it um, unfortunately that's who's being prioritized here. And this comes up week after week on this podcast in, in different areas. It's somewhere along the line, the developers come into it. Now, you've actually done environmental events, has actually done, I believe, as part of the report you did into this kind of research into, you know, who's purchasing land along the corridor where this road is planned. Uh, is that correct? You've actually sort of established, you know, here are the developers buying the land where they think a road is going to go. That that work is not that was not part of our report okay. in August. Um, we haven't sort of named the big developers. I mean, a lot of it is is public information. It's not necessarily illegal that they you know it's not illegal they own land. No, no, they're allowed to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but uh, but you know as it happens we are uh, pulling together some of that research right now on on you know who owns what where um, I know that there there was a document floating around um, which documented who owns the who owned the lands um, that were being granted MZOs municipal zoning orders um, and that was quite telling. I think there were a number of, of folks who had donated to the Conservative Party on that list. Um, but but no, that that previous report, uh, we we don't directly uh, make that link uh, with the highway yet. So stay tuned. It's research. Uh, uh, yeah, research in progress. OK, we'll come back. Mm-hmm. Update us when that's uh, well, to that, this episode. <laughs> Well, yeah. One interesting note, though, is is um, you know there was a bit of a kerfuffle when um, I believe it was York Region uh, asked the province to confirm whether they were allowed to uh, you know basically grant permits for folks uh, for developers to build along 400 series highways. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't have the text of the motion in front of me, but it was basically saying, "Hey, Ontario, can you confirm?" That we would be allowed to, you know, rezone and allow uh, building in, in some of the protected lands along this 400 series highway, um, if it were to be built. Um, I mean, also, you know, it has implications for the land along the 400 as well. Yeah, and, but, and a huge amount of this land is 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 greenbelt. It's just it's well, not black and white, green and white. It's greenbelt. It's meant to be preserved forever in perpetuity, mm-hmm. no questions asked. Um, yeah, I mean, when you see the route, it's well, and maybe you can speak to that as well uh, a little bit more. That I've just actually literally been over the weekend, sort of uh, in my kind of relaxation hours, uh, looking at the land surrounding the uh, where there's a, a proposal for a CN rail uh, hub in Milton, and at the moment that's 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 green space. It's not actually in in the green belt, but that's by the way. But I mean. I remember, you know, the first time I drove along the 407, it's like, oh, this road is lovely because it goes through all the, the you know, it's all, all through, uh, you know, virgin kind of countryside. It's very pretty. And now when you go along that same route, you're seeing developments coming in. Um, so all that, you know, it's a slightly different question in, in Milton because all that land is actually outside the green belt and it was never intended to be part of it however mm-hmm. it's all going to be built on and the plans are there 30 years ahead uh, of what particular fields right now are going to be used for and the point i'm making i guess is like just as as roads induce demand for traffic they induce demand for uh business uh, uh close to them and and i've yet to see a, a highway certainly in the gta that that doesn't have its accompanying big box stores and its uh, malls and all the rest of it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, are, are, if this road were to be built, I mean, are we assuming that the next step would be, uh, like you say, kind of just just some fairly major rezoning or, or attacks a on the green belt? Well, I mean, it's important to note that the road itself is an attack on the green belt. So, so first things yeah. first, you know, the, the highway would, as proposed, it would remove about a thousand hectares of, of green belt, mostly in Vaughan. Um, and even if that, you know, land is protected from developers uh, currently, it's it's not necessarily protected <laughs> from their own, you know, Ministry of Transportation. Um, 
And, and uh, yeah, when you look at, you know, for example, the 407 route, as, as you mentioned, if you look at, I looked at a map recently of the 407 route um, in the 80s uh, when it was being built, and it was pretty green and, you know, lots of farmland and green spaces, as you mentioned. And then you compare that to a, a satellite image of it now, and it's really built up. That's sprawl. Uh, it's not rocket science. You build a highway and sprawl happens um, stores get built up around it you know housing developments get built up around it uh, and and it's just kind of the way things work so uh, there's there's very there's very little uh, reason to believe that that highway 413 would be any different um, that building a 400 series highways wouldn't lead to the same degree of sprawl as something like the 407 uh, led to so um, I don't know how they're going to treat the Greenbelt lands around this highway. Um, I do know how they plan to treat the Greenbelt lands uh, underneath this highway. Uh, they're going to bulldoze them. But I, I would hope they would remain protected, but I, I don't. I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Obviously, right now, we're in the middle of a massive global pandemic. We are holding this interview each from our individual homes. A year ago, even, uh, we would have assumed probably that we would have driven to your office in Toronto, maybe to have this interview. Um, uh, you drive past, Joel made an excellent point the other day, as if you drive past any um, ghost station at the moment in the morning, uh, you know, the, the car parks are empty. It feels like this is more than just a year thing, that we are going to fundamentally reassess our, our perception of um, commuting as a way of life. Um, mm -hmm. Do you, do you, do you, A, do you agree? I see you nodding. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and B, what do you think? I mean, do you think we are, we are maybe seeing the start of um, a world where we, we, we don't think that sitting in a car for, for two to four hours a day is an acceptable um, price to pay for a job? Yeah, that's a question that's been spinning around my head so much recently. Um, really, you know, since since the pandemic began, when we already knew that this highway proposal was on the table, and it's just so unknown. Um, and that that's you know the the big question that came out of this for me was why why isn't the provincial government actually undertaking you know some sort of of uh, study or or something that helps. Um, look into the future in that way and helps uh, predict how this like massively, you know, uh, uncertain time is going to impact how we move around, how we get to our jobs, how we get to school, how we get to see, you know, friends and family when we're allowed to do that kind of thing again. And um, there's just so many huge questions and to spend this much money and to, you know, pave over this much sensitive green space and so many people's homes for a highway at a time when we just have no idea how people are going to be moving around in the region just seems so crazy to me. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, like we're all speaking to each other from our homes right now. Uh, I don't have a huge reason to believe that I'm going to need to be working full time in my office again, um, you know, even when I am free to do so. And many people are going to be in my situation. Maybe they won't need to commute into Toronto from the GTA West area. Um, then again, maybe the population of the GTA West will skyrocket even more uh, than anticipated as people move out of the downtown uh, you know, core of Toronto. We're starting to see those patterns happening now. Um, there's just so many unknowns. And it's such a bad time to be building a piece of you know, 50-year infrastructure. 
do you feel like you can predict what's going to happen in the next 50 years? I, I definitely can. I can't predict what's going to happen in June. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wanted to, I, I, I just want to touch upon that. I mean, Ron, that was kind of my, the question I wanted to ask was kind of alter, alternative ways to spend this money somewhat. Um, Cause it, we're talking like billions of dollars of infrastructure to be spent on this. I mean, the environmental aspect is one thing. There's also, I, I do think, the economic one. Um, and the, the fact is it's like billions of dollars to be spent on a highway that even if, let's just say, it, it, it is environmentally sound, hypothetically, and that's a big hypothetical, <laughs> is, like, is it a good spend of tax dollars? And the reason why I bring this up is I used to commute on the 407, um, and that highway is empty, and, and it's even more empty now. Like if, as if you drive over the overpasses of the Fro Seven nowadays, it's empty. It looks like it looks like a part like an empty parking lot. Nobody's on it. Um, partly because yeah. I think the rates are too high, and unless somebody's going to pay them for you, you're not. You're not. There's no point to it. Um, but I mean, it's it's clearly an underused piece of infrastructure. Uh, here in the province, it was meant to alleviate the the traffic burden of the 401. It clearly has failed in that objective uh, because it's just not being used. Um, I've also read another report, um, and I, I don't know if it's your organization, sir, uh, Environmental Defense, or, or or maybe it was a different one, but um, that basically, if you remove tractor trailers, the the transport trucks, semi trailers, from the QEW and the 401, and you divert them up to the 407 for when they have to go around Toronto. Um, you, we can alleviate the, the traffic congestion in this region of Ontario. If we just kind of, kind of convert the 401 into a cars-only uh, uh, method of transportation, it'll free up congestion, be in, more environmentally sound because cars are traveling they're not stopping going if we took all the transport tra tra tractor trailers and put them on the 407 to get them around toronto on their way into uh quebec or, or ottawa or wherever and uh, it's just this, this kind of thinking that we're not employing with the this this government it's just like oh we got to build a highway because that's 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 what you do you you're, there's a traffic jam let's build a highway mm -hmm. and you know, it, it, it's, it's just, why are we not being smarter about this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and um, you know, instead of building a new highway, why not use the 407 to it, to the full extent of, of, you know, what that pavement that's already been laid it will allow? Um, why not remove the tolls on the 407 so that, you know, folks can actually use it and, and afford to, you know, to drive that same stretch? Um why not, you know, create a truck priority route on the 407? Uh, ostensibly, one of the big motivating factors behind you building the new Highway 413 is to allow more trucks and goods movement to happen in the region um, and to allow trucks to, to flow more freely so they don't just get stuck in traffic. Well, why not have those trucks, you know, maybe have a discount rate on the 407, um, use that highway a little better, and uh, and and, and free up more space on the 401 that way. I think there's, there's so many other alternatives and, and better ideas that- You have to reckon if, if, if they're thinking of spending 8 billion on this highway, which only goes 
it's kind of a you know quarter of a way around Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, and we have a highway already that's underutilized. It goes all the way around. I know it's going to, it was going to cost them a lot of money to sort of bring back the 407 from from private ownership, but I'm not sure it was more than eight billion. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't know what the numbers are on that, but it would be it's the chronic lack of imagination always with with this current government that that I find most frustrating. That well, think you know the old cliche: think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, they almost seem to be proud of thinking inside the box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. actually, I mean, that it takes us. Sorry, carry on. I was going to say, like, it's it's a it's a talking point, right? I, I feel like this highway has been reduced to, you know, a talking point they can slam down on the table and say we're 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 fixing congestion with this. And unfortunately, um, it's it's not true. It's not accurate. But a lot of people don't have the time in their busy lives to to you know look into it and do the research to say, hey, is this talking point accurate? Are they actually thinking about how to how to solve, you know, my congestion issues? Um, and unfortunately, not really. And, you know, one of the whole big reasons they, they canceled this in the first time around was was what you mentioned is all the other, you know, myriad ways they could be solving the same problem. And the experts saying you need to look at all those other ways because they are way more effective and way cheaper. Um, now, now I, I already quickly mentioned the the. Um the CN intermodal hub proposal. Um, and we didn't ask you on to, onto the show to specifically talk about this. So if it's outside your area, uh, forgive me, and we can um, talk about something else. However, it's in the news in Halton at the moment, uh, and Joel and I happen to be based in Halton, so we're particularly familiar with it. And the local councils uh, and the local MP in Halton uh, are, are very strongly uh, opposed to this. It struck me as, as being somewhat more of a gray area at least uh, and i wonder if environmental defense has had any opinion on this um in that this is about taking freight off roads and putting it onto rail um which is the kind of thing we we should be interested in um so I, I, is it something again there was an environmental assessment uh, connected with that and um uh there certainly were a number of sort of human health concerns and other things um, that I, I'm not necessarily disputing for a minute. But um, is, is it something that you've actually uh, looked at? It's it's not something unfortunately we've looked at in a lot of detail. Where I'm definitely aware that it exists, um, and yeah, in general, um, being able to move things, you know, by rail uh, in, in many ways is is preferable than moving them by truck traffic. Um, a lot of greenhouse gas emissions, a lot of air pollution comes from that truck traffic. So, uh, so yeah, for sure, that's something that from an environmental perspective perspective is usually a much better way to move around goods. Um, but yeah, that specific proposal, um, we haven't looked at in detail. We flagged it as okay. I mean, every situation is so intricate, right? You don't know what kind mm-hmm. of, uh, if, if they build that hub, where exactly is it located? Is it, you know, destroying all the sensitive areas there? So I don't want to weigh in too much on that one. No, that's fine. I, I was thinking it does kind of touch upon what we've been discussing is that, you know, we got to find new inventive ways of getting cars off the road and, you know, using, if we go into rail as a viable option to get freight from one end of the country to another, instead of our highway system, um, that that's another way of getting, well, transport trucks off the highways. Uh, another goes to the fact that we have, um, you know, Post COVID, you're as well in touch. But I'm hoping that we are going to see more work from home 
uh, situations uh, taking place and that people say, well, I don't, I don't need to go into the office five days a week. Maybe I just need to go in three or I just need to go in for that one, that one meeting a week to, to touch base. But that's the rest of it. I can be done on uh, calls or I work from home um, and, and that kind of thing. Like I, 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 I am frustrated that we're just, we're going back to this whole, Oh, we got to build a highway when quite frankly, the last highway we built was the 407 and it has not lived up to the planned purpose uh, that it was intended for, uh, so I yeah I I definitely agree we're we're not we're not digging too well too deep into this bucket of ideas uh, to solve transportation issues in the uh, in the nine oh five. Okay, so I'm seeing that our our clock is uh, winding down here, so I'm gonna call it an end to this episode. Um, but I would like to uh, extend a, a much appreciated thanks to you, Sarah, for coming on and sharing your expertise on the uh, on the topic. Uh, thank you very much for coming on uh, today and, and chatting with us, Sarah. No problem. I really appreciate uh, your podcast and uh, the work you're doing to uncover this. Thanks a lot for covering it. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.